Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 35 of the J Situation podcast. I'm recording this on October 13th, 2020. How's everyone doing? It's the home stretch, guys. We're, we're in the home stretch of 2020. We're going to make it through October. It's going to be super sweet. We're about halfway done with the month. Uh, look, we just have a little bit to go. Just got to just got to hold it together. All right, maintain. This is not the time to relax. This is the time to um, stick to your guns, <laughs> so to speak. Okay. <laughs> oh man. As always, I am pleased to let you know that the J Situation Podcast is brought to you by Pew Science. Pushing the silencer industry forward one test at a time. Pew Science is the largest ever public small arms research cooperative. Some of it moves fast, some of it moves slow, but it does move. And moving is most of the battle. Most testing in R&D is funded by contributions from the membership. Some testing is funded by, you know, private manufacturers. And if that data is ever made public, you'll know. Visit PewScience.com for the suppression rating, the simplest and most accurate hearing safe ratings for your suppressed small arms. The suppression rating is in Section 5 of the Silencer Sound Standard. The standard walks you through gunshot noise, sort of like Wikipedia, but cooler because it's about silencers. There are six parts, and they're all on PewScience.com for you to read. If you haven't dug into the Silencer Sound Standard, dude, that's totally fine. You can skip directly to the suppression rating, that's in section 5, and that lets you know how silencers stack up in comparison to one another with regard to sound at the muzzle and to the shooter's ear. And the bonus here is that it gives you a hearing dose limit, okay? It's basically, you look at the suppression rating chart, you're getting a hearing safe case for your particular use case, okay? It's on the particular platform on which the silencers are tested, so you know exactly what you're gonna expect. You're not gonna find this information anywhere else in the world, I promise. And if you keep reading the standard, in section six, that's where you get all the reviews. Okay, so go check them out at PewScience.com. If you're a manufacturer and you would like to use PewScience for private testing and consulting services, there is a form on the website with which you can submit that inquiry. Okay, it is, it is all there. Your contact data, you know, it's, it's all confidential. You know, you, 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 you submit the form, you talk to me, it all, it all stays between us. You can support this podcast, Pew Science, and our testing by joining at PewScience.com. And you can even give us a good rating on iTunes, uh, you know, just to let other folks know. You know, that silencers and guns are awesome. You let iTunes know. The algorithm says, oh, hey, people are liking this thing. Well, they seem to be listening. Huh, maybe guns are okay. <laughs> that would be the motivation. The overarching motivation there. Okay. <laughs> Five topics for you today. The first, um, I, I do want to give a quick update on the recent ATF tomfoolery. I, I do. Um, with, with regard specifically to pistol braces, you, you, you may ask, what tomfoolery, Jay? <laughs> well, that's the tomfoolery I'm talking about. The second topic would, uh, would be uh, to let you know that there is a new sound signature review coming this week. Well, how about them apples? Yeah. So buckle up, buckaroos. That's coming. Topic three, again with the 11 and a half, 
11 and a half inch AR M16 with mid-length gas. Am I ever gonna shut up about this? Well, no, you know, I was going to, but then everyone started talking about it. So, hey, we'll talk about it some more, okay? So that's topic three. <laughs> topic four, uh, some cool upcoming testing. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, some, some private programs we have coming up. Uh, can't talk about any details right now, obviously, but you know, some of it will probably be public in the coming months. So you're gonna, you're gonna see the fruits of our labor, so to speak. And finally, topic five, welcome. Welcome to new Pew Science members. It is great to have you as part of the family. And thank you for your support as always. Okay, this first, <laughs> this first topic, quick update on the recent ATF tomfoolery. I'll tell you what, pistol braces. Look, and for any of you ATF agents listening to this, which I know there are some, look, look, I get it. Believe me. Look, I've worked with a lot of you folks throughout my career in other capacities, ha having nothing to do with NFA. <laughs> okay, I've worked with, worked with your explosives uh, folks quite a bit uh, doing various things in the world. And um, yeah, there's some good, there's some great folks at the ATF. Okay, I wanna, I'm gonna preface this by saying that, and look, and if those of you listening to this thinking I'm selling out, look, I'm not selling out, okay? I'm, I'm serious about this. Like, you gotta realize ATF is a very large organization. Okay, it is very large, they got a lot going on. Um, typically, in, in government organizations, including military organizations for the US government, the higher you get, the more political it gets. Uh, and, and many of you hearing that right now might think, well, well, well duh, Jay, that's pretty, oh, yeah, I know. I know, it's, I know it's intuitive to many of you, but to many of you, it's not intuitive. And you gotta realize that sometimes things happen and uh, there's some motivation behind those things. Now, with regard to the topic at hand, I'm, I'm decoupling. Like in my mind, this is okay, and look, am I justifying this to myself? Possibly. Uh, d d does, it, does it matter to you? Also possibly. Um, should you care what I think? Probably not. <laughs> but I am, I, I, will, I will say, I am decoupling. I, like, I guess maybe that this is one of my coping mechanisms so I can sleep at night. That I, I do decouple what I know about the individuals that I have worked for or with um, in certain entities from other things said organizations may or may not do on large scales in different capacities. Does that make sense? So like, for example, you know, I work with a former EOD tech that now works for the EO, you know, for, for the ATF, you know, this guy or girl might, you know, might've seen combat, you know, might've been blown up a couple times. They end up working for the ATF doing a dang good job at what they're doing, what? And now I'm, I'm not gonna respect them because, you know, we got so-and-so coming out and not measuring uh, pistol braces correctly and, and giving some folks in the, in the firearms industry a hard time about it. Look, I'm not, I, I, look you, gotta, you gotta separate things in your mind. Remember, remember the, the words by the famous Tom York of Radiohead. 
pragmatism, not idealism. <laughs> He's like the worst possible guy to invoke for a quote about firearms. <laughs> He's like totally anti-gun, I'm sure. But he did have that, uh, that strange sample in that one song where the robot was talking. You know what I mean? It's like an, on an album, OK Computer. I don't know if it was like Paranoid Android. Or I don't know what track it was or song it was on that on that record. Um, anyway, I'm getting off track. What I'm trying to say is be pragmatic. Be pragmatic in your interpretations and thoughts. Try to be patient. But getting angry is okay too. Okay? Um, don't be too idealistic and think that the world's going to be perfect because then you're going to be just as bad in some ways as the, the folks you don't like on the other side of this. You feel me? So let's try to, let's try to do this intelligently. Um, but being angry is okay. I, 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 I promise. And, and everyone has every right to be angry. Okay. Now, if you've been paying attention in the gun world, uh, especially in our little niche industry of, you know, Shooting everything with cool guns. I'm not talking about gun world at large. Like, you know, I'm not talking about, well, we just went to the deer lease. Look, look, I go to the deer lease. <laughs> well, it's not a lease. It's more of a, it's more of a compound. Um, look, what I'm saying is I don't want to call people FUDs. But hey, there are FUDs. We know about those folks. And, you know, those are great. There's, there's great FUDs out there. Those great, great people. Um, but if you're not in that community and you're, you're like the rest of us, uh, if you've been paying attention, you've seen that there has been some tomfoolery. There's been some ruckus, commotion, some disarray. A few years ago, a little company decided, hey, we're going to make a thing called a pistol brace. You're going to attach it to an AR receiver extension, or what folks like to call a buffer tube. And then folks are going to be able to use their AR pistols in a more stable fashion. Okay. The, these would later be known as, or come to be known, as pistol stabilizing braces. Okay, you can read up on the history of that and how originally it was called a SIG brace. And then it became, you know, SIG Brace, SB, you know, Sierra Bravo. And then it becomes SB Tactical. They're making these pistol braces. Pistol stabilizing braces. Okay. Pretty simple. Or it would seem. The ATF approved these items and people started selling them, of course, because capitalism. And there have been some ups and downs. But for the most part, they have gotten into people's hands quite prolifically, I should say. So prolifically, <laughs> so prolifically, in fact, that there are millions of them in consumer hands. Millions, like with a bunch of zeros, guys. Okay, we're talking six zeros on here. That's, that's a lot of zeros. That's orders of magnitude more. Orders of magnitude more than the bump stocks were. Um, uh, well, that was a really bad sentence. Orders of magnitude more 
consumers ha- have pistol braces than did bump stocks. Okay, I-, I was like trying my best not to end a sentence with a preposition, which is, you know, a little game I like to play when I talk, just something I like to do. Um, and so it's it's a pretty big thing with these, these pistol braces. And so it's quite the genie to put back in the bottle. You ever try to put a genie back in the bottle? It's difficult. Once they get out, they're, no, they're out, man. They're, they're, they're of a gaseous form, unfortunately. Molecules all spread out. And so why would, why would the ATF want to put the genie back in the bottle? I mean, surely, surely they, once you approve something and, and you, you make a ruling, if you're a legislating, enforcing body, you can stick to a rule. Isn't that weird? I saw talk about ruling. Ruling, wouldn't that be like the judicial? The judicial branch would rule. You got the. I don't. I don't know who approves that. I mean, exec, executive branch. Then you got the. You got the legislative branch. They make the laws, right? Okay. I don't know how that all works. I'm not, I'm no, I'm no, uh, you know, government guy here. <laughs> but well, I mean, why would they want to put it back in the bottle? You know, when the ATF approved these braces, perhaps, perhaps their own extremely interesting interpretations of their own rule sets conflicted them. Perhaps. I mean, if you look in ATF firearm, firearm doctrine, if you look in, in, in their Bible, in chapter 6, verse 9, paragraph FUBAR, you see, plainly stated, that a firearm is clearly a rifle if it is intended to be fired from the shoulder. Clearly a rifle. But, but how would you know what is intended? What do you mean intended to be fired from the shoulder? Let's talk about that. So that's interesting, right? Okay. The ATF has approved these pistol stabilizing braces. They let folks attach them to firearms, not changing the status to a rifle, by the way. And now, this very week, they are commenting on the holistic design of the weapon and saying that when a pistol stabilizing brace is configured in a certain way on a pistol, it might be intended to be used like a rifle. They, they really can't give any good reason why they're saying this because there are many products out there that meet the exact same definition as the current Q Honey Badger pistol brace. So let me, you know, it's interesting. I, I actually dug something up right before I started recording this today. Let me read you a little excerpt from a March 2017 ATF letter, okay? The ATF letter says, with respect to stabilizing braces, ATF has concluded that attaching the brace to a handgun as a forearm brace does not make a short barrel firearm because it is not intended to be and cannot comfortably be fired from the shoulder. Therefore, an NFA item, or I'm sorry, therefore an NFA firearm has not necessarily been made when the device is not reconfigured for use as a shoulder stock, even if the attached firearm happens to be fired from the shoulder. 
even if it happens to be fired from the shoulder. Okay. Okay. Well, I, 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 that's, I, I, I had that excerpt for, and I, I just pulled up the, the entire letter. Uh, they, um, so keep in mind, this, this is from 2017. And I, I want to read part of this because, and, and, and forgive me if this is getting, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to belabor it, but at the same time, this is kind of important and and to those of you who've been around a long time you're going to just roll your eyes because you you've read these letters and you know that ATF doesn't adhere to them like they issue these letters to people but then they totally ignore what they said before and that's part of the problem right so this this is the way they describe it in the letter this is the, the, the okay what i'm about to read you these are the words from the atf in march of 2017 okay an accessory that can be attached to a firearm in any one of several configurations must be evaluated to determine whether attaching it in each of those configurations constitutes making an NFA firearm under both objective and subjective analyses. Okay, so this is their first sentence in this paragraph. They're basically saying, look, let me break that down. What that means is, if you can put anything on a gun, it, it needs to be evaluated with objective rules and also the completely subjective determination of the person evaluating it, uh, whether, like, what happens. The ATF is in writing, in black and white, saying, look, you put something on your gun, to tell you the truth, bro, we're going to need to look at it. And if we think it's bad, it's bad. So there, it's literally, like, that sentence in itself is tyranny. Okay, that's tyranny in black and white in one sentence. Okay, next sentence. With respect to stabilizing braces, ATF has concluded that attaching the brace to a handgun as a forearm brace does not make a short-barreled rifle because in the configuration as submitted to and approved by FAT-D, it is not intended to be and cannot comfortably be fired from the shoulder. Okay, so what does that sentence mean? That sentence means we're talking about braces, and the ATF concluded that if you put a brace on a handgun as a forearm brace, it doesn't make it an SBR because one, it wasn't intended to be, and two, you can't use it comfortably to shoot from the shoulder. So, th th so th th there's two things in there. They're talking about your intent and your comfort. So I guess they're, they have to judge intention and comfort. Okay, okay, okay. So, so far, there's nothing concrete. Got it. Okay, so, so, so far, it's completely arbitrary and up to, up to an individual. Okay, just making sure we're all on the same page. Perfect. Okay. Next sentence. If, however, 
the shooter or possessor takes affirmative steps to configure the device for use as a shoulder stock, for example, configuring the brace so as to permanently affix it to the end of a buffer tube, parentheses, thereby creating a length that has no other purpose than to facilitate its use as a stock, removing the arm strap, or otherwise undermining its ability to be used as a brace, and then in fact shoots the firearm from the shoulder using the accessory as a shoulder stock, that person has objectively redesigned the firearm for purposes of the NFA. <laughs> okay. So that's pretty crazy. So the sentence before that just got through saying, um, if you put a brace on a pistol or handgun and you don't intend to use it as a stock and it's not comfortable, it's totally, it's totally not a stock. But, but, if you attach it permanently and that permanent and, and I'm saying and because there's a freaking parenthesis in the sentence. If you, if you attach it permanently and you do it with a length that in some arbitrary definition has no other purpose than to, to facilitate its use as a stock. Or you remove the freaking arm strap or you somehow in this loose term undermine its ability to be a brace. Well, then it's an SBR instantly. Once you shoulder it. Hmm. But then their next, their, their last sentence in this paragraph says, this conclusion is not based upon the mere fact that the firearm was fired from the shoulder at some point. No, it has nothing to do with you. No, that's not, it's not about that. It's not about the mere fact that the firearm was fired from the shoulder. Therefore, an NFA firearm has not necessarily been made when the device is not reconfigured for use as a shoulder stock, even if the attached firearm happens to be fired from the shoulder. Okay, so you can you can fire it from the shoulder as long as it's uncomfortable. But if it's too long and you mess with it, then it's illegal. Holy freaking crap. I'm I don't want to flag this episode as explicit. I'm going to try to like whenever I curse accidentally, I flag the episode as explicit on iTunes, you know? Because I don't want to get in trouble. I want to make sure this podcast is the most audience. I want to make sure that kids listening to learn about firearms learn that their rights are being eroded every day. You know what I mean, Jellybean? Okay. Sorry. I'm just a little bit upset. This always gets me upset. Isn't that crazy though, man? So that's like a part of the letter in 2017. That's just 2017, okay? That's three years ago. That's well, March, so it's over, over three years ago. Okay? And so I, I wasn't on social media today. Um, today's Wednesday? No, today's Tuesday. I wasn't really on social media, so I, 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 but I saw a couple things. I went, I opened up the gram, and I scrolled a little bit, and I saw... Uh, I saw Q had posted something yesterday. And um, 
it was a basically a letter from the the the, the ATF tech branch in West Virginia. It's it's the folks that you know the technical guys at the ATF that know guns really well, and they when they need to evaluate a weapon, classify it. Like they're the ones sitting there and they're they're physically looking over the weapon. Like they have the guys, they, they put the gun on the table and they literally, they have tape measures and like these guys are, they've seen every weapon you, you could possibly think to see. These guys are very familiar with firearms. So it's not just some like, it's not just some person that has never seen a gun before. Okay, this is the tech branch. Like these guys are, as far as US government goes, like these are firearms experts. Okay, I, I want to preface this. You guys need to understand that. Like, these are the experts. Okay. Or at least that's how it used to be. I don't know how it is now. Now, I think I talked about this last time where the ATF was basically saying, look, you know, this um, this is an SBR. What they did was... And, and Q, Q highlighted this in the letter on, on Instagram here. They're saying Exhibit 1 incorporates a proprietary PDW-type housing attached to the rear of the AR-type receiver, which facilitates the use of twin guide rails to attach the proprietary pistol-stabilizing brace accessory. Okay. That's true. It says that the, the PDW-type housing and use of twin guide rails are identical to those used in the attachment of the traditional shoulder stock on the honey badger rifle. By all outward appearances, the proprietary pistol stabilizing brace is simply a modified version of the honey badger shoulder stock and not a pistol stabilizing, stable, pistol stabilizing brace accessory. And then they say, which is really weird, further, the honey badger firearm with the proprietary pistol stabilizing brace was never submitted to the ATF for an official classification. You don't need to submit everything you make to the ATF for an official classification. The freaking stabilizing braces were already defined as stabilizing braces. And, and like every company under the sun is putting these things on guns. You know what I mean? Like that's the crazy thing about this. So this is really just, they're using like basically, remember, remember the letter I just read you in 2017? From two, oh, I'm sorry, from March of 2017? That's what they're using here. They have not really changed their position. They are actually fairly consistent in, in, in what they, remember what they said in 2017? They said, we can do whatever we want and it's up to us. That's exactly what they're doing right now. They're playing games because they never said they couldn't. And anyone think, and if anyone thinks any of this is, is real, it's not real. This is a game. <laughs> okay. It's a game. Now. That's the first thing Q posted. I, I thought, man, I got a kick out of that report because I don't like that report. I think it's subjective. You know, whenever I write a science review and put it on PewScience.com and I do all of the objective things and then at the very end, I say Pew Science subjective opinion. I, I, I can look, first of all, I consider myself a fairly experienced technical writer. When you read my reports, you might think they're a little bit dry and they're very complicated, but that's because it is. It's very complicated information and I have to be very clear when I write it in a way that's not too flowery because I don't want to misconstrue very technical details. And that's just the way it's going to be. It's the way it's going to be. I pride myself on being able to do it pretty well for technical audiences. And I tell you what, 
I even label when I say it's gonna be subjective. And even in my subjective parts of my reviews, you see that it's one of the least subjective things you're ever gonna see anyone write about a gun or a silencer. I do have an opinion in there every once in a while on that subjective part at the very bottom of the review, but even that, even my subjective opinions are objective for the most part. So when I read a report, it's supposed to be a technical report, an excerpt that Q posted, I, I, I was offended. Okay, that, that, I, I took offense to that because frankly, frankly, the language they used and, and, and they, uh, Q redacted some of this, uh, so there's some black lines and stuff because they didn't want to show different things, but it says it is on page four. That Just reading that excerpt on page four, that you go to uh, Q's Instagram page and see that. They posted it um, yesterday, so that would, be, would have been October 12th, I guess. Oh, my God. Like, it, it angers me based on firearm regulation. It angers me on just, like, general, just general, like, technical information di in distribution. So that's, that, like, based on principle, frankly. Like, frankly, it's infuriating. Because you're, you, you have a regulatory body putting in writing that... I mean, literally, they use the phrase by all outward appearances. What the heck does that even buy out? By all outward appearances? This is illegal. What do you mean by all outward appearances? Like, what does that even mean? You can't say that in a report. You can't say that in a technical report. I'm sorry. You, that's not how you write, man. Like, that's not objective determination of anything by all outward appearances. Don't tell me appearance at all. Tell me, tell me a metric. Tell me exactly what's going on. I don't have time for this, frankly. I don't have time to sit here and read this BS about BS. This is, this is, this is retarded. <laughs> okay. This is retarded. Okay. So that's, so I see that. I saw that. Okay. Fine. 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 Today. I'm scrolling through the gram today. I, I was busy today. Scrolling through the gram today. What do I see? I see Q post another picture. He says, so what Kevin said, what did he say? He said, length of pull. Length of pull. Remember that? In, in, in the, let's go back. Let's, yeah. You know what? I'm going to go back right now. Let's go back to 2017. Where's that freaking PDF? Hold on a second. I know what's in here. Ha. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Paragraph. Okay. Page two of that letter to Mark Barnes, Esquire. Paragraph three. Okay, paragraph three. If, however, the shooter slash possessor takes affirmative steps to configure the device for use as a shoulder stock, for example, configuring the brace so as to permanently affix it to the end of a buffer tube, thereby creating a length that has no other purpose than to facilitate its use as a stock, or blah, 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 and then shoots it from, from, from the shoulder, Using it as a stock, then that person person has objectively redesigned the firearm for the purposes of the NFA. This conclusion is not based upon the mere fact that the firearm was fired from the shoulder at some point. Therefore, the NFA firearm has not necessarily been made when the device is not reconfigured for use as a shoulder stock. Uh, what? It's like word salad.
It's, it's like... It, it's like I'm taking crazy pills right now. So that length, because remember, the reason I just read that is because that, that parenthetical statement, the statement in parentheses from the 2017 letter in, in, in page two, paragraph three, that parenthetical statement, thereby creating a length that has no other purpose than to facilitate its use as a stock, that's arbitrary. And the ATF has, has used the, an arbitrary ruling and they have used, um, I forgot what, what length it is. I think it's, what is it, 13 and a half? Is it 13 and a half, I think, inches? And they say if the length of pull, meaning the to the face of the trigger, the, fa the face of the trigger, the, 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 I guess the most rearward front, the most rearward front face of the trigger, parallel to the bore axis, the distance from that parallel to the bore axis to the to, 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 to the rear most part of the brace when fully extended. I think they want that to be 13 and a max of 13 and a half inches, which is ludicrous. But fine. If they had that written down somewhere, fine. At least they would have that, right? At least they would use that. And that's like what everyone uses because like you have to dig through. There's no case law. It's just like letters that aren't real, apparently. You can pull that up, and so Q put Q Q. They 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 posted a picture from the report of the of the honey badger br uh, brace extended from. This is from the ATF report, and like they use a diagonal tape measure. They they put the tape measure on there diagonally. So what does that do? You, you remember when you were in like, what grade was it? Were you in second grade or third grade? Or were you in elementary school? When was it when you realized the hypotenuse of a, of a right triangle was the longest leg? Do, do, do you remember that? Do you remember when you, when you learned that when you make a right triangle, the hypotenuse is the longest leg of the, the three? There's you know, three legs to a triangle. You know, there's three sides to a triangle, typically. If you're in Euclidean geometry on Earth, in, in this dimension that we live in, yeah, yeah. In Euclidean Earth geometry, in this dimension, in October of 2020, the hypotenuse of a right triangle is the longest edge. So why would you use that edge to come to a ruling about a brace? That would indicate one of two things. One, you don't understand geometry and you didn't graduate elementary school. Two, you're trying to, to pull some tomfoolery. What do you think it is? You think they, the ATF hires people that haven't graduated elementary school? Or you think that there's some tomfoolery afoot? Okay, okay. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Q put the picture there. You can swipe and you see that the, the true measurement is 13.3 inches and some change. And then ATF says 13 and 9 sixteenths. 
13 and 9 sixteenths. I don't know if you've been following along at home, but that's 1 16th greater than 13 and a half. Well, that's convenient. <laughs> Gosh, it's almost as if a firearm company would not do that. God. So I, I, I started off this conversation today, this one-sided conversation of me, t- me speaking to you <laughs> by saying that I try to separate the, the, the wheat from the chaff. I, I, I try to separate the good from the bad. And I will say there, there are great people at the, at the ATF. Okay? There really are. It's a great um, collection of, of knowledge. Uh, some of, in fact, I will tell you some specifics that I, I can talk about. Um, I, ca- I can talk about this. This is, I think, well, for one, it, a lot of it's probably declassified by now. And also, uh, I'm not going to name names and technology, but, you know, we've worked on explosive character. Uh, I, I've worked on explosive characterization with ATF, you know, back. I guess right after the GWAT started, the global war on terror. And, um, you know, some of the, some of the folks I've worked there, some of the technical folks and the field folks and the, man, the former EOD, you know, in general, when it comes to military folks, look, I didn't serve active duty in the the military. I was working for, I was government person, but I was doing other things. And, um, for the military and the the EOD people that I worked with that were on my side doing stuff with me, the same jobs I was doing, and they just happened to be former EOD, not like stupid nerds like me. Um, I mean, yeah, they were nerds too. They were just crazy nerds. Um, all those EOD people were were I've never I've never met an EOD person, whether it was even even Air Force guys, <laughs> and whether it's an uh, you know, if it was an Air Force EOD or it was a it was a Marine EOD or a, any service branch that had anything to do with EOD, I don't even know what they call. They might not call them EOD sometimes, depending on what they're doing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they might not say they're EOD in certain branches, which is fine. I don't care. Call it whatever you want. Um, anytime I've worked with any on any of the ladies and gentlemen I've worked with in that capacity have been amazing people. I don't know if that's because the cream rises to the top and those are the people I had experience with and that's just a coincidence, you know, because I know there's some trash in every position in the world. Just because you're in a certain position doesn't mean you're a good person or that you're cool or you're great at your job. I'm just saying that in my experience, all the EOD folks that I've come across have been just, just great. And, um, and so when I think ATF, like for me personally, I always think EOD because I have that experience with those folks with, you know, blast effects, weapons effects and, and, and hazards and trying to protect people. And it's like, you know, how, if you add this compound to this explosive, if you added this propellant to this, if you added this fuel to this, what would happen? How, how, how much bigger would the boom be? Can we compute that? How do we tell a soldier? How do we, you know, if a soldier finds this, how do we tell him what to look for? What does this munition look like? How does he going to know the difference between this and this munition? How can he use that to his advantage? 
blah, blah. You know, all those, those things that I've done, um, when I think ATF, I think, I think of the great men and women who, who helped me do that stuff. And I helped do that stuff. So when I see this ATF stuff, I mean, of course I'm upset about it as a firearms guy and a gun guy, right? I mean, you would be. You are, if you're listening to this podcast. But not only that, like, I'm upset for the rest of the ATF. Because how do you think it feels like, I tell you what, if you work for an organization, you know, you don't need to have publicity and you don't need to be like, raw, raw, look at me, I'm so cool because I work for XYZ. Although we will say like, hey, like in the intelligence community, you know if you work for the agency, you think you're hot stuff. You're not, relax. <laughs> There's probably some CIA guys listening to me like, shut up, it's fine, you're not, you're not, not as cool as you think you are. Um, what I'm saying is, there. I mean, there's always those like certain, like you know, like the special forces guys. Like you know, whenever you're like in Northern Virginia and like you're driving around a field, and then like you see like a special forces guy in training, like running through a field with his Oakleys on, and you're like, oh, I guess he got lost in training exercise. <laughs> Some of you guys listening to me right now are probably agreeing with me. Listen, what what I'm saying is. What about all these folks that they want to go home to their wife or their their husband and their kids and their kid has Instagram and he, he scrolls to the Instagram and he likes guns. Maybe he goes to Q's page and he's like, maybe he's playing Call of Duty and he likes the Honey Badger. I, I, I don't, I've never played Call of Duty. I hear there's a Honey Badger in the Call of Duty. I, I That's what people tell me. So what if there's a kid and he's like, and he sees a Honey Badger and he's like, Oh man, I love that gun. It's like super cool. I have like my kill to death ratio. Is that what people do now? Kill to death ratio? I played Counter-Strike back in the day, like in beta set, beta point seven or beta point six five. Can't remember when I played Counter-Strike. Anyway, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is what if this kid sees this honey badger and he's like, he's like, man, I love this gun. I get so many frags with this gun. And Q says the ATF is is says it's bad. Mommy. Is the ATF, mommy, is, is the ATF saying, well, what, mommy, why do you hate the honey badger? Wouldn't that be messed up? And then what does mommy say? Mommy's like, well, son, sometimes good people need to die. No, you know what I mean? Like, like what is she, like, sometimes, sometimes good people need to go to jail. So the privatized prison system can benefit. You know what I mean? Like, what, like, at this point. Like, what do you even say to, to, to your child, right? So that's just like one thing. Like, that's like one microcosm of hypothetical that I could come up with right now, like off the top of my head, to describe to you how much this sucks for like not only you, but like even people that work at the ATF, I think. You know, and that's probably like with any organization. So I don't want to look at this through rose-colored glasses or like, again, I don't want to try to be idealistic. Um, but I will say like this sucks. So anyway, uh, I think, I guess that's all I'm going to say for now about that. I wanted to update you guys again, because there was more information released specifically from the tech branch technical report that Ke Kevin posted with, and he did post like the, 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 the CAD rendering, like the 3d rendering of the, 
uh, the honey badger with the 13.335 length of pull, which you know there is no length of pull for a pistol, right? So if it's a pistol, how can you even have a length of pull? You see what I mean? When they did when the ATF let these pistol braces be pistol braces, they should have known what they were doing. Idiots. Okay. Yeah, that's really nice to say. Call them all idiots, Jay. Well, don't be stupid then. Okay. Um, you know, play, what is the what do the people on the internet say nowadays? P play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I feel like the ATF's doing that right now. Okay, so super inconsistent, super irresponsible. It's a game. Cat's out of the bag, man. Braces aren't going away. Braces are not going away. I promise you that. Braces are not going away. There's too many. There's millions of them. What are you going to do? What are you going to do now? You know, what are you going to ban braces? Come on, guys. Look, bump stocks were one thing. Okay, that was easy, man. That was a loss of freedom, but it was easy. There weren't that many. It's super easy. And there were not that many manufacturers. It's super easy to control something like that. But now with this, with this, come on, man. Come on. You can't get this genie back in the bottle and it's not gonna end well legislatively. It's not, this is not gonna end well. There are a lot of factors in play with gun rights organizations, like due to the upcoming election too. I don't know. What a mess. You got COVID, pistol, pistol braces. Let's talk about something positive now, okay? I just spent 45 minutes. Oh, and you know what? I promised someone on Reddit. I told, where's my pencil? Oh, shoot. Oh, no, here's my pen. Perfect. Okay, look, I promised this guy on Reddit. I didn't promise him, but I did publicly say it was a good idea, which I technically did agree with. And I wasn't the worst idea. He said, hey, I don't give a crap about some of your topics because you're because you're boring. I want to listen to to this topic instead. Okay? So for you gentlemen, all you ladies and gentlemen who don't want to listen to the entire podcast, that's fine. I'm about to start topic two at a time of 46 minutes and 22 seconds. Okay. 4622. I'm writing that down for topic two. Okay, topic two. New sound signature review coming this week. Hmm, buckle up, buckaroos. Yeah. I'm actually pretty excited about this. Um, I actually am really excited about this. And isn't that weird? Like, I, I'm like super upset about ATF stuff, but I can just turn it on and be like excited too. That That's because something's wrong with my brain. <laughs> no, but I, man, boy, howdy, I tell you what, I... I really do. I don't. I don't like to hype things because I. I don't believe. I don't believe in hype for hype's sake. I. I just don't. I'm just not a. I don't know. I'm just not that type of marketer. I don't think. Like I'm not. I'm not really a marketer per se anyway. But I do need to market Pew Science because it is the small business that I own and operate. Okay, like that. That is true. You know I. I will say that I do not have a marketing agenda. I have an enthusiasm and I have a research path that I'm I'm taking and I feel honestly that, that the, re, the review I released this week is gonna be, it's, it's gonna contain technical information that will benefit the industry at large. And that's a pretty big statement, but I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. 
I know it's very cryptic, but at the same time, if I don't if I don't build some type of suspense, we, we run the risk of like three things, right? We like, you know, one, I have to do more explaining of how special it is on the back end, and that's harder for me. Okay, so two, not as many people will be hyped for it, and that lowers the chance you might tell your buddy about it, maybe. I don't know. Like I'm still learning this. Ah. Like I said, I'm not trying to hype for hype's sake. I'm just telling you, like, I want you to know this is cool. Third, and most importantly, like, definitely most importantly, I'm truly excited, man. I really am. I literally tell you things, like, my entire audience, I tell you guys things in stream of consciousness. Like, that's how I speak. That's how I think and talk. Uh, to prepare To prepare for the podcast... Like right now, like, and what I do, what I do is I outline what I'm going to talk about because if I didn't just have a rough outline, <laughs> it, it, it would be way too long and inefficient and I would most likely get off track. And frankly, I don't have time for that. Although it might be fairly entertaining if I just totally like without a plan, but I'm fairly certain it would be a disaster. I mean, you saw like what happened with this, that pistol brace discussion took like almost an hour just to talk about that because I didn't really have a plan. That was fantastic. Okay. So, so yeah, you, you also got to remember sometimes, you know, what is a big deal for me might not be as big a deal to you. Uh, Because I'm, I'm somewhat of a lunatic about this stuff. Okay. Like I go super deep. Like, seriously, like, I'm getting very detailed in, like, what I'm doing. And so, like, any time I'm able to make definitive conclusions that I am extremely confident about, I will make them. And I will highlight them to, you know, I'll highlight them multiple times so that you know that I know that you know that I know they're important. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, okay. So, okay, here's here's an example for you. Take the CGS Helios and the, and and the, their Hyperion technology in the Helios inside the silencer, for example. Okay, take that. D- does it make the silencer larger diameter? Do, do they have to use a larger diameter to, to enact that technology? Yes. Probably. I mean, they did, right? So you you would think yes. Okay. D- does it make it heavier? Yeah, it probably does. It, it probably does. Um, eat, like independent of material, all other things equal. Does it add stuff in there? It does. It does. They have some components that they need. So yeah, does it make it heavier? It does. It does. Are are there better options for some people? Absolutely. Does the technology offer a lot of promise for the industry? Absolutely. If you only look at the peak sound pressure of that silencer, the CGS Helios, you do not get the full story at all. Okay? You just don't at all. You have to closely examine the modeling results. And frankly, if you don't do what I'm doing and what Pew Science is doing here, the only way you're going to know how that silencer sounds is if you shoot it yourself. There is no other way to get that information to you. 
You understand? I don't care what sound meter or technology anyone's using, nobody anywhere is gonna be able to, to present the CGS Hyperion technology and its performance to you without using a silence or sound standard. Before I tested it, what information did you have? Like what information, before I tested that sensor, what information did you have to know that it was such quiet technology? Where could you go? Who, who, how are you gonna know that? How are you gonna know? Nowhere, that's where, nowhere. Okay, nowhere except for someone's opinion of what they said they thought it sounded like. Now you have a suppression rating and no one who has shot a Helios that has indicated that their anecdotal experience is different than what I say about it. It's quiet. You, the suppression rating shows it in black and white, and and it and it and everyone agrees with it because it is. If you shot it, you agree with it. Okay, so look, I want you to keep that in mind going forward this week. Okay, after I release this upcoming review, I want you to keep this in mind. Now, I'm going to show you something special about a product, and I want you to understand that before this week, no one had been able to tell you what I'm gonna tell you definitively, other than people who have shot the thing themselves. And how do you know you, you can believe them? How do you know you can believe someone that says, well, I shot it SoundCloud to me? Okay. Well, as, as no one, look, nobody can make it so that everyone can shoot something or hear something. Like, just, you can't do that unless you can go do it in person. Sound recordings on the internet aren't real. They're not real, guys. And, you, and I told you that a long time ago. Okay? A long time ago on this podcast, I said, look, if you're trying to judge silence or sound from video on the internet, you got another thing coming. And you guys know that. You're smart. And if you don't know that, now you know. There's a variety of reasons for that. We talked about the reason for that um, in episode, I don't know, something where I talk about the fact that um, you have to move a certain amount of air to create a certain sound pressure, and how, how, how could even, even, you know, even the speakers in your house move enough air to let you know? Like, you just can't, and you, what, you want to listen to it on your phone? Come on. With, with quote-unquote, high-quality headphones? Come on, relax. Relax. You going, de you going deaf from a, head a gunshot in a headphone? No. Oh, you're not? It doesn't hurt your ears as much? Okay, then why would you think the silencer sounds the same way as it does in the video too? <laughs> Relax. Relax with this video stuff. Relax. I mean, they're entertaining, but come on. So the silencer sound standard is the answer. It's there. It's, it's there. It's there. If someone is qualified to be able to measure and do analysis in accordance with the silencer sound standard, there's nothing stopping them from doing it too. Who else is doing what I'm doing right now? Nobody, because they don't want to. Not because they can't, because they don't want to, okay? There are people who can do what I'm, you what, you think I'm the only one in the world who can do this? Of course not, okay? But I'm doing it, and that's a big part of this, okay? Like, look, what, what, you know, like I'm not, like I, I'm not a human being? Come on, man, I went to school just like all these other, if you guys even knew the engineers that I work with, oh my God. You know, it's funny. I was talking with my friend the other day, like one of my buddies, like uh, one of my coworkers, like in my day job. 
was talking to him and uh, actually this conversation I had with him, we, we did repeat this, but this was actually a conversation we had, we've had over the years. Like it's been a long time. He, we were just, you know, hanging out and he was saying to himself, dude, if my friends outside of work could meet you guys, like they would think I'm retarded. <laughs> I was like, same bro. Like, like, like they don't even like people don't even understand the level. There's so many levels to this. Like some of the people I work with are so incredibly, incredibly intelligent and talented that it, the way their brains work, it doesn't even make sense to me. Like th there's some stuff like I guess one guy, I can't go into names obviously, but there's this one guy. He, he, he was not born in the United States. Uh, he, he's Chinese. Um, he's been in the United States for a long time. He's a really great guy. Gosh, he's so, and he's so great. He's so intelligent. He thinks in non-dimensional terms. Like for, for the engineers listening right now, like what I'm saying is this guy can physically like when he's looking at certain modeling of phenomena, he can break it down mentally and come like hypothesize certain things non-dimensionally meaning that he is taking quantities and scaling them together and like relating relating different quantities to one another and how they're dependent upon each other by coming up with a commonality of terms that are common to those quantities separating them out in his mind scaling everything and then thinking non-dimensionally okay like like that type of thinking is something that you, I guess you could develop over time. I mean, he obviously did, but it, it displays a level of, of thought that doesn't occur to, to like normal people, I would say. So like when I talk about the fact that like someone else could do this, like I'm not, I'm not trying to just be humble and be like, oh, it's not that special. No, it's special. It's special because it's hard, okay? Because like not everyone would do it if it was easy. But what I'm saying is there, like, there are people that could do this better. I'm quite certain of. I'm quite certain of that. But they won't. And, and I'm even, even more certain of that, okay? And so that's that's like, I just wanted to give you like my opinion on this because it's, just because someone can do something doesn't mean they're going to, okay? And so when I, what I'm going to show you this week in that review, it's going to be studied and scrutinized and doubted, but it's correct, okay? And people are going to, some people might not believe it, and that's fine. I don't care because the more people that look at this, maybe there's going to be some big brain dude like the dude I work with that sees it and, and he calls BS on this whole thing and he's like, bro, I saw what you wrote and it's cool, good effort, but here's why you're wrong, X, Y, Z. And I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to go hang myself in my garage now. <laughs> no, but um, I, I wouldn't do that. I, I choose life. But... Um, but I'm saying like that's totally happened to me before. Like that's totally happened. I, if that hasn't happened to you, if you've if you've never done something that you thought was great and then been totally shot down and told you were an idiot, you just haven't been alive long enough. I promise you that. Because guess what? For every 
Every strong person out there, there's someone stronger. For every smart person out there, there's someone twice as smart as you. For every body that's working hard, there's someone who, who's done what you've done three times today and they're not even tired. So don't sleep, all right? Okay, other thing I wanna say about this review, I will say we do have a perfect record still. Pew Science has maintained a perfect record as far as being able to speak with um, the silencer manufacturer prior to release publication, I tell you what, was able to do it this week. Record maintained, baby. 100%. 100%. Um, it was super awesome. Now look, this for, for, to be clear, this manufacturer was a bit tentative. It's fine. But they did speak with me. Okay? Record maintained. Just because someone doesn't want to speak with me doesn't mean I don't get the, get the win. You feel me? Ha <laughs> ha. I'm not saying he didn't want to speak with me. Just saying he might not want to want to. I don't know. Kind of hard to read some people sometimes. Plus, you're talking on the phone. You can't see body language. You know what I mean? It's like a whole thing. Okay. Topic three. <laughs> what are we, an hour in? Yeah, why not? Topic three. Oh, I almost forgot. Topic three. Okay, so if we're an hour in. Okay, was, oh, well, let me give the exact time so someone doesn't get. I'm going to try this. I might not do this again because this is a pain in my butt. Okay. One hour, one minute, and 19 seconds. Okay, topic three. Okay. Okay. Just gonna put that on the little thing there. That way someone can sk skip to it. Okay, topic three. The 11 and a half inch AR platform, whether semi-automatic or fully automatic, with mid-length gas. Let's talk about this again. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, and you know what? You know what's really crazy? Um, let me pull it up. I just, I think I just uploaded it to my Google Drive. One second here. One second here. Oh. Bear with me, fam, as the kids say. One second here. Did I do it? Yeah, because I haven't posted it. Yes, I did. I did take that picture today. Excellent. So th this is like one of the first times I've, I'm, I've actually posted a, a photograph of a gun that I'm going to talk about on the podcast. Um, kind of. Oh, man, I love this picture. Even looking at, looking at this picture right now. Oh, my God. I love this gun so much. It's just so beautiful. You know, okay, when you buy a car, you know when you bought the right car or truck, when you like park it in the parking lot and you look back at it, right? Like that's my gauge. Like when I bought my Corvette, I knew, like, well, first of all, I, I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew what color I wanted. I knew what engine I wanted. I knew what like year I wanted to buy when I bought it. Like I knew exactly what I wanted and I knew what wheels I wanted. Like I got everything I wanted. When I bought that thing and... I would like go to the grocery store or whatever, I, you know, wherever I was going, like Office Depot, <laughs> I don't know. And I would, I would turn back and say, damn, damn, that car is, oh, look at my car right now. Like, that's how I feel about this gun. That's how I feel about this, this 11 and a half inch M16. Now, I, on this gun, on the photo I posted, and you see that on Instagram, Facebook, and also um, on some of the podcast providers you download from, it does put it on there too. Like I know Amazon does. I don't know. I guess it depends what app you use too, but um, it's got the rugged razor. Um, using a 5.56 end cap on that. Okay. I got the Pulsar uh, Pulsar thermal on top. It's the, it's the Trail LRF XB50. So on the side you can't see of the thermal, on the other side of the gun, it has a laser rangefinder on there. Yes, that's right. Laser rangefinding through thermal. Yeah, yeah, I know. 
It's ridiculous, dude. Got a sling on there. I'm using this 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 Proctor sling. This Frank Proctor sling. I'm I don't know. I might get rid of it, honestly. Uh, I have this other sling that's I think better. That it's like a, a thing where I can like pull it really fast and like cinches it. This doesn't cinch to my body as tightly, so it's like I'm like, why did I buy this again? Um, so screw the sling. But the the uh, the other thing I posted on that, or the other thing in, in the photo is the another pulsar ther pulsar thermal. It's a handheld. So what you do is you're 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 using that to scan, right? So you picture this: you got the you got the rifle slung to your chest tightly, okay? Like you you can run with it when it's tight on there if you needed to. Like and it's short. You get the silencer on there, you're good. Your your thermal your thermal on your rifles turned on okay it's totally um like it, it's operable and with a pulsar you can have it on and just ready to go or if you hold down the power button um it will turn off eventually but if you hold it down it does have a countdown on the display and if you don't hold it down for the full three seconds it will stay it'll dim the, it'll turn off the display and it'll go into a little power saving mode for you and usually when I'm hunting, the Pulsar batteries are so good, you could just leave it running or you can put that power saving mode, it'll go all night. And, uh, and so I'll just, I'll leave that Pulsar thermal engaged and turned on while the rifle is slung to me. And with my, with my hand, like with my free hand or hands, depending on what else I'm doing, I will be holding the handheld monocular which is a helion xp50 so it has the same sensor but this one has a a different base level of magnification it starts at two and a half x um optically and it has a really 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 fine awesome focus and detachable lenses and stuff like the helion is awesome so um i'll be scanning with the helion thermal and i'll be able to see like Basically, what I'll be able to see is anything with a heat signature. And you will not believe what you can see with a pulsar thermal because it, it does really well in high humidity. And the sensor is a 640 by 480 resolution, which is actually super high for a thermal. On both these thermals, like these are these are these used to be Pulsar's flagship. They have new ones now, but these are still awesome, let's be honest. And they're so they're super expensive. So I'm not about to get rid of them. And so I'm I'm scanning, man, with a helion, which I can use, you know, different color palettes. I tend to use just use black hot or white hot. If I find a target with the helion, which I can I can spot, you know, one thousand over one thousand yards away if I really wanted to, I can tell something's there. I find something I want, I immediately if I want to engage. If I want to, if I decide to engage, I immediately drop that handheld. It's on the lanyard, that that loophole binocular lan lanyard. I've fit through the little eye, the loops on the on the on the on the poly housing. I drop the lane. I drop the thermal. It it goes to my side. I I lift up my rifle. I tap the power button with my weak hand. See, so I have the rifle in my right hand because I'm a righty. I raise the rifle up. I reach over with my left hand over the thermal scope, 
use my middle finger to tap that power button, it immediately turns on. Of course, I have the lens cap open at this point because it's slung to me. I always have it open when I'm, when I'm about to, when I'm with it in the field. I'm immediately, I'm immediately ready to engage. Like there's like, it's like no time, dude. It's so fast. Like I'm super fast with it now. And so hunting with thermal, and I say hunting because that's like all the stuff I've killed with thermal has been animals. Um, like using thermal for real life engagement like that is way different than using not thermal. Like you don't operate with thermal the same way I, I think you would do. Like, like, look, I'm not a tactical dude. Like, I don't know how to go kill bad guys like in, in combat zones. Like, that's not what I do. That's not how I'm trained. Like, I'm trained as an engineer and like an analyst. But I will say, um, I'm, I'm pretty good at killing stuff. And so I, I think that that thermal setup, I, I don't usually use a, a short barrel of 5.56. Five, but I think because this is a machine gun, I'm definitely going to do that because I think I can with hogs. I think I can just uh, I can just put a burst in a couple of hogs super easy. And plus, it's you know sometimes you want to just run around the neighborhood with thermal doing hood rat stuff. I mean, right? Like, don't you guys do that? Like, don't you go out like just with thermal and like night vision, like with your friends and or just alone? Or do you ever like go on your roof and just like look at the city like with your night vision or thermal of course you do i mean that's that's why we go broke with this stuff right so that's the, the photo i posted i just want to tell you a little about this rig i'm sure i'm going to post this this photo more you know it's the one with the it has the the knight's armament uh medium length uh free floating rail adapter system and little rail panels on that on that guy you know what i did order for it I'm trying not to put a lot of stuff on this gun. I like to keep it pretty bare bones. I did order a little hand stop thing, a baby one. LaRue Tactical was having a sale on their little ones real cheap. And they came with like a some of his ladder cover things. His little, oh, no, he calls them index clips. I'm sorry. That's what he calls those. I had a box of those index clips somewhere. There's someone in my gun room. I couldn't find them. So there's a package deal with some of those index clips and little hand stops. So I bought, I bought that. I'm going to see how I like it. I might have to remove that bottom rail cover now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know. I don't know. I do need something to let me take my weak, my support hand and pull the rifle back to, to my shoulder. I like that. It like really stabilizes it when I'm holding it. And so I think having that little hand stop on there or finger stop, or whatever you want to call it, I think what that's going to do is it's going to let my fingers stop. I wonder if I should put on the side, use my thumb. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to see how it feels. You got to keep in mind, these quad rails are a little fatter than those thinner rails that are new. But I feel, I feel like I like the way this looks. I'm going to make it work. And I think that there's been enough people killing people with these quad rails that if I can't get this to work right for me, then that doesn't make any sense. So I'm not going to, I'm not changing the rail guys. These, this rail is like one of the best things about this upper. Like, oh, oh, you, oh, what, what, you're getting offended because I like the way it looks? <laughs> Relax. Okay. We all have our stuff. So, so yeah. Um, and then I have the rugged razor, like I've, I've talked about um, with the 5.56 end cap, actually. 
which is really nice on this gun. And the rugged, I actually have the rugged flash hider, not the M2 brake, just because, you know, when I'm not testing with this gun, I want to, if I want to fire unsuppressed, I like the flash hider on there. Um, yeah, good little Magpul, what is it, SLK stock, I want to say. Little grip on there, like a Surefeed mag. It's all pretty, man. You got Magpul sights on there. Magpul steel sights. Okay, so that's the weapon. You can see the picture. Now, I wanted to talk about the 11 and a half again because I want, look, I wanted to revisit it because I talked, you know, the other night, or last, was it last night? I was, I was discussing it on social media. And there, there seems to be a little bit of confusion, okay? There seems to be a little bit of confusion. Let, let me highlight some points so we, we can all be on the same page going forward, okay? I, I think that's helpful. You know, it, it would be helpful to me if I were listening to me. So I'm not saying that the 11 and a half inch AR is the best AR. What I'm saying, that's what we have right now, and that's what I'm testing, okay? Let's talk about what makes the 11 and a half inch AR, specifically with mid-length gas, interesting. Number one, I have one. It's available. Number two, it uses a standard gas system length. So what does that mean? Parts are readily available because it uses a mid-length gas tube. Okay, so that's cool. Number three, uh, the length of the gas tube relative to the barrel length is high. That means this is it is the shortest standard barrel length you can use with the mid-length gas system. Okay, as far as barrel lengths go, like not oddball, right? So if you go, what do you go like 10, 10.3, 10.5, 11.5, 12.5, you know, I don't know all the lengths, but those are pretty common. And so this is the shortest one you can really use with um, with the mid-length gas system. I guess you could go a little shorter, but you would have a real hard time adjusting the gas block and stuff. So this, this basically has the shortest dual time, okay, for this bare length. Now, number four, it provides a good silencer host easily without excessive tweaking, okay? And that's due to the dual time. And the fact that adjustable gas blocks exist, guys. Even if they didn't exist, the dwell time is such that you could probably make it work decently well with like delayed carrier unlocking and a heavier buffer, like in an emergency. But look, you've got to keep in mind on these fa the, the 11 and a half I have that's mid-length, facts and firearms, the people who made the barrel wanted to make sure that like people who didn't know what they were doing could still use it unsuppressed. And they freaking put the biggest gas port in that gun. Like, it is so big. You have to. You, you probably need to use an adjustable gas block just to, like, even unsuppressed, man. Unsuppressed, I'm, I'm, I don't have the gas block fully open on this gun. I think I want to say unsuppressed with the H3 buffer. I want to say I had seven clicks open. <laughs> That's not all the way open. I forgot how many clicks you need to open it. But I think, you, oh, oh, is it four and a half turns to fully open? I don't know. What is it, like 15 clicks? 
and it's seven clicks. I guess it's all about how you align your gas block. If you align that gas block incorrectly, maybe you're not utilizing the flow area because you know your gas block flow area should theoretically be larger than your gas port flow area, right? So make sure your, your stuff's aligned, but, but yeah. But yeah, so that's, I just want to make sure you guys understand that. Some of you have been asking me on social media, well, Jay, does this run unsuppressed? I say, yes, I can tell you it does. It absolutely does. It does run, it runs unsuppressed in full auto, guys. Like I, I did it. Like I've 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 done it. Like I've 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 recorded full auto waveforms unsuppressed with PSoft with this thing. I, I have the data to show it. So, yeah, absolutely works. Um, you just gotta do. You, look, you just gotta know what you're doing. Okay, you just gotta know what you're doing. Now, number five. Why this is interesting? This barrel. You lose velocity from a twenty-inch barrel, right? Of course. But look, you're not super low velocity. Like, look, frankly, to kill things like really well with 5.56 far away, you're going to need a pretty long barrel. Like, in my opinion, I I like I like 18-inch barrels for killing stuff with 5.56 far away. Like, for killing hogs at 100 yards with 5.56, my preference would be to use an 18-inch AR. What do I base that on? Absolutely nothing except for experience. I'm not basing that on math. I'm not basing that on any analysis. It could totally be wrong. What I'm saying is like my comfort zone, like I don't have a lot of experience shooting shooting living things that are tough with small, super small rounds going sl way slower than they were designed to kill things with. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? Now, if you're gonna be expanding stuff, I tell you what, this, uh, my barrel, this, Facts and barrels of one and eight twist. I don't, that might not be fast enough. I might, you know, if I was going to really kill a lot of stuff with this barrel, I might go for a one and seven. I think that most tech makes a one and seven, they told me. So shout out to most tech. You guys are cool. So if you want a custom 11 and a half inch or you want a custom barrel with any gas port length you want, talk to most tech. They're crazy, man. They'll do it. They'll send you a freaking drawing of the dang thing. They're crazy. These guys are crazy, man. So yeah. But guess what? Look, the 11 and a half inch to me, like an SBR like this, this isn't for far away. This is for up close and personal, baby. And if you can pump a bunch of suppressed rounds into something like pretty close, it's going to kill things. Like this is a machine gun you're looking at on, on my feed. Like this is, this gun is like, I will carry this everywhere. I will put it in my truck. I have actually. I put this in my truck next to me. I put this in my office when I'm working. Like right next to my desk. Like this is for like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Do I need to pump 30 rounds through your car window right now? Yeah, that's what this is for. This is for let's rock and roll, baby. Like this is this is one of those guns where it's I've tested enough. It's super reliable. Um, I can shoot this gun with a razor and not go deaf. Like... Um, I wouldn't shoot it with a razor a lot, but I wouldn't care if I look. If, what if I'm gonna? If someone's gonna come step to me with this thing? No, they're like, are you kidding me? Like, I have thermal on this thing, and I'm totally not gonna be disoriented. This this setup is not gonna be loud enough to mess me up, but it's gonna mess them up. So yeah, it's awesome. Like this is like one of those guns. Like you want to look at it, you want to kill stuff with it. 
uh, out in the field, like you know, you meaning like you want to hunt with it, and you 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 want to keep it ready to rock and roll because you know you're confident with it. Like that's the type of gun I like, and that's what this is to me. So that's what eleven and a half is for for me. So I'm telling you, for me right now, SBR five five six. I have a ten. I have a ten and a half upper with a piston system on it. I hate it. It's it's rough. It has a carbine length gas, or I'm sorry, piston. Yeah, carbine. No carbine length gas system. It 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 cycles rough. I have a superlative arms piston system on. I've done the bleed off mode. I've done the restricted mode. Suppressed. It just doesn't feel good. I don't like it. It's jumpy. It doesn't feel like this 11 and a half inch mid length. It feels rough around the edges. And frankly, it's there's no there's no point to me. What, I'm gonna chop off an inch of this and have to change to a completely different gas system? Forget about losing the velocity. What about the fact that you're going to have to go down a different gas system? 10 and a half, get out of here with 10 and a half. <laughs> All you with 10, with, with, what was the Daniel Defense? The Mark 18? Hold on a second. Let me Google this. Everyone's like, oh, he doesn't know what a Mark 18 is. Oh, relax. Mark 18 barrel length. Oh, 10.31. Okay. Okay. 10, 10.31 10 inches. Wait, is that right? Where's my freaking, did they, the metric system? That's not right at all. Oh no, it's 262 millimeters. Yeah, okay, it is. It's it's, it's almost 10.32. Okay, see, I'm, I'm not I'm not an ass. I'm not, I'm not completely retarded. 10.3, yeah, 10.3. No, absolutely not. Now I tell you what, we're gonna talk about this. Let's talk about barrel lengths because I know a lot of you are getting really upset right now. But Jay, what about reliability? Don't you know that there's a certain amount of okay? Yes, I know. I'm not. I'm not completely retarded. Okay, so you're you're like, well, why not twelve and a half? Why not fourteen and a half? Why not sixteen? Why not twenty? Why not ten and a half? Look, all of those lengths are important. All rifle lengths matter. All of the gas system combinations to go with all of those lengths are important too. All gas systems matter, I promise. Now, if we want to turn this into a project to find every single best AR configuration, we can do that. But right now, I don't think that's a good idea, frankly. And uh, I want to talk about some of these lengths and what we can do with them, okay? I don't know. Let's start with let's start with ten. Yeah. Okay. So ten, ten and a half. Ten, ten point three. Look. If you're shooting unsuppressed, or even suppressed. Oh, excuse me. Oh, it gets late. Um. Look. The longer the dwell time the more time you have to, to keep dumping gas into that gas tube. And that is really going to help you cycle the weapon in adverse conditions, okay? Now, 
is there a way to make the weapon reliable and and shorten the dwell time? Meaning dump gas for a shorter amount, shorter amount of time, but be able to, to dump the gas at a pressure that still gives you the same impulse for that shorter duration. Remember that impulse is the area of the pressure time curve and you, you probably never even understood what impulse was until you saw the plots on PewScience.com. Now I can use that term because you guys all know what it means. Because I'm talking about impulse inside the barrel like I talk about all the time now to you when we talk about the AR. Well, how do you make... So the, the, the cycling of the weapon needs a certain amount of impulse. It needs area under the pressure time curve, okay, through the gas tube. It needs impulse. Well, you can get that impulse either by making the flow area bigger, okay? That's increasing the amount of flow, the amount of gas. You can also increase the dwell time, which makes there more flow come through because it's acting over a longer period of time. Okay, so you can do a couple things. You can increase the pressure or you can increase the duration. Both things, both things make impulse go up. So if you ask yourself, well, you, you say the, the Mark 18 is good because it's reliable. I said, yeah, probably. I mean, they wanted something short and then they wanted something to work when it's short. Well, they put a short gas system on there. And then now it has a really crazy dwell time and you make gas port. Like you, can, you can do whatever you want. That thing is never going to stop running. Okay. And it's really not that hard to do. It's really not that hard to make a gun work when you have all the gas to cycle it in the world and you don't care how loud it is. Okay. That's, that's simple stuff. We, we, I mean, the stoner, so the, I mean, this action has been around for a long time. Like there's nothing, there's nothing magic. Like, you know how it works. So, so you say, well, well, does a 10.3 have a place? Like, yeah, absolutely has a place, man. If you want to get a Daniel Defense, whatever, you want a Mark 18, okay. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't know. Like, but are, or are you a silencer enthusiast? If you're a silencer enthusiast, like, why would you shoot a Mark 18? You probably wouldn't. Because you can't put a... You, I mean, you could you could lengthen the gas system, but it'd be some oddball length, and you couldn't find a gas tube, and it'd be a whole thing. They had to have a custom barrel made. Like, why would you do that? You just buy a mid-length 11 and a half. There's enough people making them there now. So that's what I'm saying. So when I talk about things lower than 11 and a half, it's like, well, you're losing more velocity and now you're looking at a dwell time that's way higher. It's like, why would you, it's not going to be as smooth. It's going to be weird. So like, I don't know. I guess get a Mark 18 if like you like it, but don't think that it's going to be a better silenced host. Okay, so what about 12 and a half? So we already talked about 11 and a half. What about 12 and a half? Okay, one inch longer than 11 and a half. Okay, totally cool. You get more velocity, that's cool. That's great. That's actually really great for the five and six platform. Like you definitely want more velocity to kill stuff. Tiny freaking round. You wanna be supersonic, obviously. You get more dwell time with the 12 and a half. And like I was saying with the, and we're talking about, look, for, for the record, we're talking about 12 and a half mid length. Okay, get out of here with that 12 and a half carbine stuff. That's dumb. Now, I mean, why why would you go from 10 and a half to 12 and a half and not change your gas system? Are you crazy? Look, no, ser no, seriously, like, no, no. Before I before I go on with this, ask yourself that. You're gonna go from 10 and a half, you're gonna go from 10.3, which is 
with a carbine length gas system. Look, should I Google that? Is that right? Is it really carbine length? Hold on. No. I'm gonna go to this thing here. Oh my God, please tell me I'm right. I'm a retarded. Oh, it says the gas port have been opened to 0.07 inches. 1.8 millimeters. Oh my goodness. It's like, is that big? I don't even know. I use a good adjustable gas box, so I don't even know. Let's see, Mark. Mark 18. Gas system length. I, I don't know. Like I'm trying to see, if, is it like a custom one? No, okay, it's carbine. Okay, I was right. Okay, I was totally right. Okay, good. I was like, wait, am I telling you wrong? No, okay. So if the Mark 18 10.3 inch, you know, upper uses a carbine length gas system and you go and instead you're like, oh, I don't want a Mark 18, I want a 12 and a half inch barrel. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, why would you do that? Well, I want more velocity. Okay, cool, great. That's a great reason. I totally understand that. You want the gun to be able to kill things better, okay? Maybe further away or something. I don't know. Okay. So then why would you keep the carbine length gas system when there's a literally another standard length that would fit the mid-length? Like why? Because if you have a certain dwell time on the gas system for the 10.3, why would you go to such an extremely crazy long dwell time with a 12 and a half? Does that make sense? Doesn't make sense to me at all. Okay, so I would say if you go 12 and a half, go 12 and a half mid. The, and, and what that's gonna do compared to the 11 and a half inch mid, it's gonna give you a little more dwell time than 11 and a half inch, so it's gonna be even more reliable with different ammo without tuning. Notice that caveat tuning, you have to tune to understand your gun. I don't know, like that's the reasons people are giving me. They're like, well, Jay, you know, Jay, consumers are stupid and they don't understand how to tune guns. So if we sold an 11 and a half inch mid-length, you know, we have a lot of problems. I'm like, dude, I don't know that at all. One, for one, I'm sorry you can't communicate the use of your weapon and you don't know how to, how to tell people how to adjust the gas. I'm sorry. Okay. If you think your consumers are stupid, then that's on you. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think consumers are stupid. I think that you'd be surprised what people can learn. I think that it's, now I think that guns can be confusing and I think that a lot of people don't understand that certain ammo types generate diff different gas impulse and that can affect the function of a weapon, but I think you can explain that to people. And if you don't want to explain that to people, well, just say that. Don't say that they're stupid. Say that you're too lazy to explain it or that you don't want to put spend the money to explain it or that you don't want to put the effort forth. Don't, don't call them stupid. Call you... You know what? Because I, I could just as easily call you lazy, and maybe both those things are wrong. Okay. So, look. So I've seen that argument. My look. My counter argument for going eleven and a half inch instead of twelve and a half is that if you just make the the gas port on the eleven and a half inch like big enough, like Faxon did, and make sure you understand how to use an adjustable gas box so you can use more gas once unsuppressed. You know. Um, if you insist on shooting suppressed, that, that'll be fine. So, like, frankly, the whole 12 and a half thing, it, it's more, 
like the whole thing when people say, well, 12 and a half is more reliable than 11 and a half. Well, it doesn't really fly with me. If you have a big enough gas port in 11 and a half and you know how to make it small or big when you need it to be with adjustable gas blocks. So throw that argument in the trash. If you know what you're doing is what I'm saying. Um, I've seen some, I, I, I Googled this yesterday because I wanted to see like, just like, you know how like sometimes you Google something and then you see someone say it on a forum and you go down this rabbit hole. The stuff I've seen people tell other people, I'm like, you do not listen to these people. Oh, retards. It's crazy. I've heard the craziest thing. Well, I heard someone say, I was Googling 11, 11 and a half. I wanted to see what people's general opinions were and like internet lore. I saw people say, oh, that'll never be reliable. That'll never run. Oh, no, that's, oh, that's not what the blah, blah, blah use. I would never do that. That's done. I've been making ARs for this long and 11 and a half inch mid-length would never run. Hmm. That's false. Why would they say that? You know why they said that? Because they don't, they had, they had never, they don't understand how a, the AR platform works. That's why they said that. Not because they had experience or not because like they want to warn you and help you. No, no. They, they want to pretend like they understand things because they want to make themselves feel good. And that's, that's not okay. Okay. You want to be, you want to help people. You don't want to be saying things like that'll never work. Don't tell me something will never work if you don't know if you don't understand clearly you don't clearly clearly they're they're wrong because companies sell the dang barrels and they're freaking working now if you have a problem with your barrel and you don't, you can't get it to work right well that's different you figure that out but you can fix it come on man come on man i can't believe the manufacturer today or not today yesterday told me ah consumers just aren't smart enough man I put that on my story too. I don't know if you guys saw it on Instagram. I couldn't believe he said that to me. <laughs> you know that happened to me with the Sonster Sound Standard too, where you go to you go on PewScience.com, you can go look at the, the frequently asked questions page. I, I talk about it where people ask me, well, why'd you do this? And how, 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 why do you charge for data? And like, da da and all this stuff. And I was like, are you serious right now? Like, Literally at the top levels of the silencer industry, I was told that consumers are not smart enough to understand what Pew Science is doing. And on my website, I say I disagree with those people, and I still do disagree. I could not believe what people the, the people don't give other people enough credit. I think that that's one thing you learn, like when you become like when you start to lead people, you learn that you gotta trust your guys and You'd be surprised. This is a weird sentence, but you'd be surprised what people, how people will surprise you with how great they can do at stuff. So anyway, you guys are awesome. I think you can totally understand this. Now, that's a bunch of malarkey, I say. Uh, people are just too scared to educate. Um, it's a cop-out. I disagree with that guy. Now, the argument for 12 and a half being more reliable in certain settings by being more overgassed and then having more velocity than 11 and a half. Look, those, it's both, that's true. I'm not saying that 12 and a half is not more reliable or it can't be more reliable because you overgas it, then you have more dwell time too and it's awesome and then it's never gonna fail. Oh, look, it, it could be, it could be. But look, but just because it it can be reliable with different gas settings and then it has more velocity than 11 and a half, just because those things are true, it doesn't mean it makes 12 and a half better for you. It just means it's different. 
because unless you need the velocity of a 12 and a half, you don't need a 12 and a half. And unless you want more dwell time, you don't need more dwell time. It's just not a strong argument to me. That I mean, I'm not saying, so to be clear, before we leave 12 and a half, I'm not saying that 12 and a half is bad or that 11 and a half inch is better than 12 and a half. I'm saying that I don't, all the arguments telling me that 12 and a half inch is better than 11 and a half, all of them, I don't think are strong arguments. That's my opinion, okay? Not saying 12 and a half is bad. I've actually shot some 12 and a half that are pretty cool. Okay, so what about 14 and a half? Skipping, skipping another two inches. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting a lot more velocity, baby. But you also got a ton more dwell time if you stick with mid-length. I mean, you're not going to, what, you're going to go carbine length on 14 and a half now? What, you were carbine length on 10.3? I said fine. You go to 11 and a half, people have carbine length. I say, okay. It's going to be choppy, but okay. Then some people go carbine length on 12 and a half. So are you serious? And then I've even said, and the same forums I've, I've looked at on Google, people say, oh, you, you, you need to use a carbine length on a 14 and a half for reliability. Oh my God. By the time you know it, you'll, go, you'll be at 20 inch barrel with the carbine length system. We'll be blowing up your gun. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't understand what I've read. I don't understand these people. I don't understand it. Um, go mid-length on a standard system for a 14 and a half for sure. Like, I don't know what... You you better not be putting a carbine length gas system on your 14 and a half. That's crazy. Holy dwell time. What are you, you trying to cycle it through sewer sludge? What are you trying to fight? No, he's like, yeah, I, I only shoot in mud. I, I only shoot in mud. I don't use air. Like, okay. Well, I only lay in the ground and shoot in the mud. Okay, well, that'll do it. You, you definitely use a carbine link gas system on your 14 and a half for that. Why would you need that much gas impulse? What, what if we started looking at it like that? What if we started using the term internal gas system impulse? What, what, would People would be like, well, which internal gas system impulse knob are you wanting to turn? Dwell time or port size? And then you would be like, well, I want to minimize the amount of internal gas system impulse I need to cycle my weapon because using too much gas is wasteful and dirty and loud. So I'm going to go with minimum dwell time and change my port size to dial it in. And then people would tell you, oh, that's great. How will you change your port size? And then you'd be like, well, I'm going to use an adjustable gas block, of course. And then everyone, you know, everyone would be, oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. And then they go to Chick-fil-A and they eat some of the really good waffle fries. And it'd be great. You know what I mean? So yeah, mid-length for 14 and a half. Now, there are some longer ones you could do if you want to be a mad scientist. Um, and you can still get like close, close to two inches of dwell length, right? Wait, can you fit a rifle length gas system on a 14 and a half? I don't know if that works. Honestly, I don't know if that works or not. Um, you might have to open up the port a lot too, to run it unsuppressed. I don't know. I don't even know that physically fits with the gas block and everything. It might not. It might. Um, I don't know if, 
I, I don't think it's impossible, but uh, but I bet a lot of people don't want to do it because of like perceived reliability issues. But I say do it and dedicate a silencer to it. Oh, did someone message me about that? Uh, didn't they say something about? Oh, I cannot remember. I cannot remember. Someone, someone messaged me the other day, and they were saying that. Someone makes, oh gosh, dang it, dang it, dang it. I'm going to find it. Someone was saying that someone makes a barrel. Oh, good lordy, lordy, lordy. What's it called? It was a 14.8? Yes. 14.8 with rifle gas. It, it was it was made by oh special ops tactical what a name it's called a siphon AGP or something like that yeah siphon AGP um special ops tactical they made a 14.8 rifle length okay so that's possible so like if I was gonna say 14.5 with rifle length maybe so they went 14.8. So you can do it, guys. You can do it. Hey, but okay, so what about the next one? What about 16? What about 16 inches? What would you do with that? What gas system would you use for optimum silencer use for a 16 inch? What would be the coolest? Rifle length, man. I would go rifle length for 16 inch. That's what I would do. Why not, man? Why not? What do you got to lose? What do you have to lose? Nothing. You got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Are these barrels common? Absolutely not. They're probably rarer than hen's teeth. You're not going to find them. But hey, what does Knight's Armament do for their 16s? They use an intermediate length, don't they? That's like between rifle and mid. I say go full rifle. You're not in the military. Well, okay, look, maybe you're in the military. But what I'm saying is you're not... Like maybe you're making this gun for fun. You're not making this gun... Like this isn't, okay, let me rephrase. This is not an issued gun, right? So like you have control over this gun and, and how to adjust it and stuff. I say go, I say go 16 with rifle, rifle length with an adjustable gas block like a baller, ball out of control. Ball out of control with your smooth, with your smooth 16. That's what I say. Now what about 18? What if, what if you go 18? Okay, rifle for default. I think I have, I think my, my 18 that I have is a mid-length. I don't like it as much. It does have a really small gas port, but it's pinned. It's a non-adjustable, has a tiny port. It's supposed to shoot softly. It's okay, but guess what? I can't adjust the gas because it's non-adjustable, so I never shoot it, okay? But, you know, I shoot everything suppressed, and so I want to tune the gun, and I can't tune it, so I don't like it. Um, it's a, the barrels ballistic advantage Hanson series. I want to say it's a nice barrel. Um, I should just get an adjustable gas block for it somehow. Just like remove that gas block and figure that out. It's all pinned on there and stuff. It's dumb. They should have made it adjustable, but they didn't know that I'm a silencer lunatic. The, like I got that rifle from somebody. So, you know, you can go plus two on a gas system. You can actually make it longer than rifle length if you wanted like what about 20 inch what about a 20 inch barrel first of all minimum you should go as rifle length obviously 
But at this point, how quiet do you think we could get? Like at this point, who cares? Like it's gonna be smooth, but at this point, how quiet do you think you can get at the ear? With a 20 with a 20 inch barrel, 5.56 AR, how quiet do you think we could get at the ear? Like what if you had what if you had a 20 inch AR with a plus two gas system? Would that be the softest shooting suppressed AR ever? Ever, ever? Maybe. How would the suppression rating be at the ear? What is the threshold for AR system weapon cycling? We're gonna have to find out eventually, guys. So you see why this is so insane? There's so many combinations. It's so maddening. It's maddening how many combinations there are of this. Okay, it's just, it's so much. Okay, so look, okay. So to close out this topic, for now, we're not gonna talk about this. Well, I, you know, who am I kidding? I'm gonna keep talking about it, but. What are some things you can do with the 11 and a half? You can go mid-length instead of carbine gas. We beat that to death. You can go, you can up your buffer weight to an H3. Um, could you drop, could you could you downregulate your gas box setting? Meaning, could you close your gas system a little bit and go to an H2 instead? Could you go to a lighter buffer and and reduce the the amount of gas flow to compensate? Or could you could you drop your gas so much that you went to an H1? I don't know. I mean, you can. Yes. Okay. The answer is. I'm sorry. The question is not can you. The question is should you. Um, I don't know. The answer is I don't know. At some point. Short dwell time of the 11 and a half mid is going to tell you that it needs minimum gas port flow area to create the flow rate necessary in that dwell time window to cycle the weapon. So as you decrease your buffer weight, you will need less gas to cycle, but that means you will unlock earlier too. Unless the reduced gas bounces with the reduced unlocking mass in just the right quantity. If you look, this is actually really complicated. I mean, it's not complicated to experiment with it, but it is complicated to, to talk about. If you plotted those two parameters, like if you plotted the the mass, the recoiling mass, and the gas system flow area for a constant dwell time, if you plotted those two, ver and you okay, you, okay, so plot both of those and plot both of them versus the suppression rating at the ear independently i bet you there's a way to optimize the equation and get the perfect balance like maybe those lines intersect or something and then you get the perfect answer for sound and reliability and recoil because you know re like remember guys like this is something i haven't talked about you can use less mass in a system and then you can reduce you can you can reduce recoil to a point but if you don't want the quietest thing you need to keep the action I'm sorry, but if you want the quietest thing, if you want the quietest thing, you need to keep the action closed longer. It's like, remember when you used to try to make a quiet 9mm AR because AR you thought you were cool, and then you had to use a 2-pound bolt and buffer to try to like get it because it was a direct blowback system, and you're like, this sucks because it's like I'm shooting a ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Because it's like super heavy, you're like, this sucks. It's like really, there's a lot of recoil. That's because we didn't have a gas system, and that's like direct blowback. But this has a gas system, so you don't want to go crazy with the mass if you don't have to. But remember, when I tested the Surefire, we had a 17-ounce total weight, 
And so the carriers meet up with that, with the H3, and so all even. So anyway, if any of you out there have an 11 and a half inch mid, keep, keep me to date, up to date on your progress. If you decide to go ahead and use an H1 or an H2 um, instead of an H3, let me know. Let me know how much less gas you need to cycle it. You know what I mean? Because I, I might not test this for a couple weeks, so I, I don't have that, that knowledge right now. That would be interesting. Okay, and I'm talking about suppressed use here. I don't care about your unsuppressed. I don't care. Okay, it is now, what are we, an hour and 48. I'm gonna write that down. One hour, 48 minutes and seven seconds. Topic four. Topic four, some cool upcoming testing. Okay, okay. Um, this stuff will probably be, uh, some of it, at least will probably be public in, in the coming months. Have a few private test programs coming up in the next few weeks. Um, it's going to be some good stuff in there, I think. Chances are you folks are going to see some of the results from these programs if the program sponsors allow those results to be public. Okay? Um, so I will give you updates as I have them. All information is confidential. And all parties are, you know, all of them will, will remain nameless and anonymous until which time things are made public. Okay, that's just how this works. If they are not public, if, if, if the results of, of private test programs um, are not made public, you, you will never know who did testing. So, I and that's... And that, that, that's the nature of Pew, the way Pew Science works. Okay, so I just want to give you guys an update. That is a, just to let you know that I am testing in that capacity. So I think you if, you, if you support Pew Science, I think you deserve to know that. Now, some public testing is actually probably coming up too. That's going to be some stuff that you're going to know when I'm doing it. You're going to know what I'm doing, and then you're going to get results. Um, I, I think I alluded to some of that in a couple of podcasts, last few of them. Because it's been, man, it'd be nice to hit some of those in the same weekend. <sighs> Wouldn't that be nice if, like, I could do a private program and the next day do a um, do a public one? Oh, that would save so much time. Oh, my God. Probably not because, like, the private programs are pretty demanding, so they usually get their own days. Now... Yeah, I mean they they I mean they come first when they pay. So, um I don't know. I have to might have to use some other weekends, but right now, man, there's so many like YHM right now. I want to do publicly. I want to be doing Griffin publicly. I'm going to be doing Silencer Co and some other ones. There's so many silencers by those those people. Oh my goodness. And then there are some folks that contacted me about some Rex stuff. Rex Silentium? Rex, <laughs> however you pronounce his company. I'm sorry, sir, if you're listening to this. Um, I don't think I've ever said the name of your silencer verbally to anyone. Like I've, I've only read it. And so I don't have like, I don't have that. The way my mind works is I kind of got to hear stuff. Anyway. Some people offered me like I, he that guy's busy building silencers and and I I don't sell Pew Science services like I don't go out and approach manufacturers like I don't say hey would 
would you like to conduct private testing? Like, um, it's very rare. Like I usually get an inquiry. And so they haven't inquired, but there have been so many people that want them tested. Um, some folks have volunteered to volunteer their personal silencers to me for testing. And Rex is not the only one, or, or the, those people with Rex silencers are not the only ones. There's been folks with Rex silencers. There's been folks with uh, Knight's Armament and with OSS and Dead Air too. And so we're trying to figure out a way to do that um, in a way that is safe for those people that own those products and makes sense and is, you know, just a, a good thing to do. And, you know, I want to make sure we do it right and we don't put anyone at risk, whether that's the owner of the silencers or it's Pew Science or, or anyone else. So we want to make sure we do it all right. And I uh, just want to let you guys know that's that's kind of in the wind right now. We're not, there's so much stuff going on that I haven't had time to follow up with those gentlemen. You guys know who you are. We, we've exchanged personal information. We we talk regularly. Um, you guys know who you are. We I just haven't spoken to you this week yet. Um, so look, I'm trying, guys. In in this limbo, and, and I think ATF right now, ATF is reviewing our FFL, so there's that too. And so we're going to have our interview and everything and all that good stuff. And, uh, and then um, you can get SOT. And, you know, we have, our, we have some SOT partners we, we have agreements with. And so um, when we have our own SOT, that's going to be a little bit of a game changer. Because then we're going to be able to do some stuff that's pretty crazy. And uh, let's see. Well, I don't want to count my chickens because you never know. But when that happens, that's gonna be that's gonna be cool. And kick, we we might be able to kick some of the stuff into high gear. I'll tell you what. So that'd be cool. Okay. Topic five. Okay, wait. Hold on. An hour. Okay. This is the last time I'm doing this. Hour fifty three. Fifty six. Okay. Topic five. Okay, welcome to new Pew Science members. Thank you. I just, I mean, I emailed some of you already this week. Um, it's, it's only Tuesday. It's great. Thank you so much. Um, you know what? And I actually spoke with a manufacturer today. He is a Pew Science member. I spoke with him before I recorded this podcast. Shout out to you, sir. It's a pleasure to, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and it's great to, to know you. So manufacturers, or it was great. It's great to, to be getting to know you. So manufacturers and dealers, and members at all levels, all of you guys. It doesn't matter if you're a manufacturer or a dealer, or if you're in the pro tier, or you're just given just a little bit because you want to help at the basic tier. That's awesome. All you members are awesome. You're making this happen, and the grassroots support is appreciated. I really do appreciate it. I'm going to have to do something special for you folks. It just, I'm just so busy uh, doing all this other stuff. So like I'm behind on the marketing merchandise the, or merch as the kids say, you know, like I, I know I said I was thinking t-shirts. Um, I just haven't got around to it because like that takes, you know, it's marketing stuff. It's just like extra stuff to do. And um, 
There's a graphic designer dude that reached out to me a while back. Super cool guy. You know who you are, sir. Thank you. Um, we've spoken. I'm going to see what I can do to see. I'm going to see what I can do with that gentleman and get and get this stuff off the ground. I, I want to use him. I think he does some stuff for some other NFA folks. He's super cool. Really great communicator. I, I enjoy interacting with him. Um, so when that stuff is available, I'm not making any promises. But when when it is eventually available, I will put it on the website. Um, and I think members will probably be able to order it first, I'm assuming. And then, like, f- first I got to figure out how to make an e-commerce system sell t-shirts. I think I think that should be easy. I'll, I, I think I can code that up pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, I'll do that. Um, and then, like, after the members get their shot at, like, maybe, maybe, like, you know, maybe then it'll go public and then everyone can buy them. I don't know. Or, you know, or maybe, maybe it'll just be, like, cheaper for members or I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. Something like that. I'm totally open to suggestions, especially for members. Any member, you guys have a freaking suggestion, shoot me an email. That's why you're a member. You, I listen to you. Okay. That's a lot of crazy disjointed info today. Um, there's a, some crazy stuff going on this week, so I wanted to get a lot of this out. Um, like I said, I'm actually going to post a photo of the gun that I spoke about today so you guys can see it. I actually know what's on the gun. Let me know if you have any any uh, particular questions about it. I've only had it for a couple of months now. Um, I've only shot it probably four times, like four days total, but the thing's great. Tell you what, um, I don't know. So there you go. Have a good one, folks. Really stay safe. I really do mean that. Tune in this week for the next review. You're, I, I promise you're going to like this review. Some of you, you're a lot of you that know silencers are going to be like, Oh, of course. Some of you are going to be like, what's that? Be like, I'll tell you what it is. It's awesome. You're going to love the review. I'll talk to you folks again soon. Bye.